and welcome to Queer Experience. My name is Eric. I use he, they pronouns. And uh, today is it's a very special, different kind of day. We are playing a game that's been sitting in my, my little library for a minute uh, called God Killer by Connie Chang. And this is a two-player uh one player is the god killer and the dm gm is playing the gods uh depending on how many we get to today um and i couldn't be running this if i didn't have a god killer with me um so dear god killer would you like to introduce <laughs> yourself and uh tell us who you're playing today hey everybody uh my name is sam i use they then theirs pronouns and i am your god killer um i'm playing someone named Zephyr Shadowbreaker today. Um, Zephyr is a god killer who, whose justice knows no depths, whose love for humans knows no bounds. So I'm excited to see what we'll get into today. Um, and what pronouns does Zephyr use? Zephyr uses they, them, theirs pronouns. Awesome. Um, so I think the way that I'm going to start today is at the very beginning of the book, there is a little passage. Um, and I feel like it sets a really good scene. And so it might take us a second to get through it, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read it to give everyone, including our god killer Zephyr, just a little flavor, a little insight, a little uh I was gonna say hope, but maybe that's wrong. Uh but anyway, here here we go. Um I weep for you. I weep for the violence the gods will inflict upon you and the violence that you will inflict upon the gods. I weep for the person you used to be before you emerge in the baptism of fire and blood smeared in the viscera of life you have led, your hopes ignited on a funeral pyre. I weep for your mortal heart entangled in a body cursed with divine providence. Providence. I weep for your dreams. I weep for your home. I weep for your parents and the child that they will lose. The cannibals are real and your world worships them. They call them light and sound and water and breath, war and death and sex and drink, movement and flame, nature and destiny. Their names, endless as the stars, infinite as the bottom of sorrow, gods. They will seek to use you in, your, in their game. You must not let them, for you are not the pawn, the worshiper, the sin confessed in the dark. You are not the witch, the heathen, the sweeping winds of change. You are not the beast, the gore, the horror lurking in the world. You are not the revenant, the fury, the locks of hair from lovers lost. You are not the prophet, the reckoning, the greatest divinity of all. You are not the dancer, the novelty, the pretty animal in its cage. You are not the saint, the lamb, the tinder set before the altar. You are one thing and one thing only. You are the god killer and the gods will taste your steel so drink my tears lover and wet your cheeks with my blood i have been waiting your arrival for ten thousand lifetimes i can wait for one more the cradle will know your deeds your sins your trophies your epithets your arteries will run gold with the name of every god you'll kill you will die and your body will be interred in the parched banks of the dried up river and your enemies will weep and I will weep and you will finally rest. Cool. Welcome to God Killer. Put my theater degree to not degree, my theater experience. A little oh, use. So good. I got goosebumps. God. 
All right. So this this game is set in a place known as the Cradle. And the Cradle is the land in which a, a, this group inhabits that is torn apart by the gods rising, falling, the death of the gods. They're living, their corpses make up buildings, make up artifacts, make up the lay of the land. It is turmoil. It is chaos. It is not great. Um, and so we will start. Uh, so Zephyr, the world has always been unkind. You've known this. The world has known this. This isn't new information to you. However, every morning you emerge from your dwelling, you see the overcast sky filled with gray clouds, or as some believe, souls stuck in a forever orbit around the cradle. It has never been proven, but every myth has this ounce of truth, right? It's dawn, or maybe it's later and you overslept. Time is fickle when you can't pinpoint the sun. But either way, you emerge. How did you sleep? Are you rested? What nightmare plagued your mind last night? And could you push through it to get the rest your weary body desired? Sleep has been difficult for me as of late. You know, I, the work that I do is not kind. And I think I contribute quite a bit to that unkind world, you know, that we talked about. Um, you know, every time I look out the window and I see those those souls that are stuck, I wonder how many I sent there. And that just kind of hangs over me every day. Um, coming out into the world, I know it's another day. More souls to harvest, more things to do. Got to get it popping. And so what, uh, so just for folks listening, tell, tell me, tell us a little bit about um, your character. So they are a devout, they, they are keen on justice. Um, tell me a little bit about your, the God that you formerly worshiped. Yeah. So the God that I formerly worshiped was called the way home. And, you know, I had worshiped this God since I was a small child. My parents worshiped this God before me. And I came up through the temple with a very strong sense of what the right way to do things was. And understanding that, you know, if we followed the way, if we did what we needed to do, we would all be okay. Um, in my adulthood, the, the priesthood took my zeal for our faith um, and sort of turned me into a divine sword, as you will. Um, we had to keep up with some sacrifices to keep the gods happy. Um, and who better to carry those out than the most devout, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was my life. A day in and day out, harvesting souls to let other people see the way, the true way that I thought. And so now that you have been disillusioned as it were, uh, what does what what is it you do when you start your day? You have walked out. Um, it the world feels the same as it always has. Dreary. You feel a sense of hope, and that you hope you're doing the right things moving forward, and you hope that you have learned from what you deem to be mistakes that you've made in the past that have been hurtful. Um, well, what is a what is what do we start the day with? Well, I need a job. 
uh, you know, being the divine sword pays the bills, but once you stop doing that, your bills stop getting paid. So I need to find something to fill my time. Um, so I'm hoping to go into whatever semblance of a market we have left and see who's looking for people to work, see who's hiring. So you head down into what passes for a market these days. Um, it is, it's a, it's a, when you walk in, it used, you can tell that this used to be a bustling place. People used to thrive here. People used to, you know, go and see the sites, interact with one another, sell their goods, buy things. This was the place to be. And now it's, largely abandoned there's carts and um uh, like shops that used to be lined that lined the streets um and you'd say maybe 20 percent of them actually still have people at them so for every 10 that you walk past there might be two two people that are still there selling their wares um or looking for people to to hire for work um what what kinds of things do you look for? What, what kind of work would you be looking for? Um, I look for things that are mindless, that are physical, things that can put um, my body to good use, especially because, you know, killing people, you have to stay in pretty decent shape. So I got used to living that sort of life. Uh, so that's something that I would like to continue to do. Um, but also I want to like, I don't know, do I deserve to have a social life after the life that I, that I led? I would want to have some semblance of that too. I mean, that's a, do you, did you, does Zephyr feel like they're in a place that they, that they, that they feel like they deserve to have anything other than kind of what feels like almost like a path of like redemption or a path mm. of kind of working through the, your past. I definitely think that it's worth a try. You know, I think I've, um, beat myself up enough to the point that, you know, the damage has been done mm -hmm. and retribution will come at some point. And also I have to continue to live. Yeah. Um, all right. So you, so you walk by, you see some, some, you know, a couple shops that like people are selling some like meager, um, like produce ish kind of is like a sad collection of things that they managed to scavenge and everything is overpriced because when no one's really buying, you know, in fact, if they can sell at least one thing, they'll probably be set for a couple of days. It's just the burden of trying to sell that one thing as you're, as you're kind of walking by and seeing all of this. Um, I'm going to say the market is really sparsely populated as you kind of orient yourself, you realize it's still probably a little, a little early in the day. Um, and that, you know, it might get a little bit busier, but it's still going to be pretty, pretty light. Um, and you see, you see someone standing in front of kind of a small setup um, with a sign that says, uh, seeking help in big letters. And next to the sign, you see this woman who is not overdressed for the market, but definitely dressed nicer than a lot of the people around you. Um, 
the outfit looks clean. And while they don't necessarily look like they're, you know, it's not like a big makeup going out to a, a glamorous ball kind of a look, but it's I've showered recently. I have, you know, my my appearance seems to be very important to me as you walk up to her. Um, she has long, dark hair. She is wearing. Um, She kind of has like a it's almost a. Like a big like a, um, we're going to call it a romper. We're gonna say it's like a big romper that she's got on. Um, kind of darker colors and you can see underneath the romper you can see kind of a another layer of a, of a shirt that is probably a little bit of little bit of um, fashion and maybe a little bit of you know protection as maybe the material might be a little bit heavier uh, just to kind of keep her safe mm. uh, but she sees you eyeing the sign and she says mm-hmm, hello you look like you've never been here before um what sort of help are you seeking she kind of looks at you so first of all i will have you know that i am here every seventh day Hmm. i'm always set up in this little corner perhaps you just simply have not looked up as you've walked through the market that's fair not much to pay attention to these days she she kind of looks around at everything and she goes "Mm, that is the truth of the matter Um, and she looks at you and she yeah. says, and are you interested in my uh, need for assistance? I am. I'm not sure what it is, but I can guarantee that it will be better than whatever else I had planned for today. So, yeah. Well, and I I promise that I can, um, I can pay you handsomely for the troubles. And you see her, she pulls like a a bag full of coin. Um, it's definitely less coin than she's like boasting it to be, but it's still more than you'd probably get for any other kind of higher job around here. Yeah. Well, that's something. What do you got for me? She says, well, you see the, it's just a small thing. Really? Um, I am, I am attempting to, to gather a small group of close friends and and dear ones. And I have come into the knowledge that somebody is, how shall I say it, attempting my murder. And I like being alive. And my friends all like being alive. But you see, the food that is being delivered to our festivities tomorrow um, has been laced with who knows what. The food will be inedible should it arrive. And my guests and myself, we put in a predicament because I am not to know this knowledge and somebody amongst my friends would like to see all of us dead. And I cannot show weakness at my own dinner party. But as you know, food is a scarce resource and I have no other alternatives. I need someone to go and ensure that our food is simply not going to kill me when it arrives. It seems simple enough. And there's something... Uh, there's got to be something that you're not telling me. 
Who are you? Why do people want to kill you? Um, are you trying to use any of your moves? Oh. Ooh. So for just so we have uh I'll kind of go through the quick uh mortal moves because those feel the most appropriate right now. Yes. Uh, so you have do as you ah. there is one called do as you're told. Um there's one called connect with somebody, there is pray for guidance, there is act impulsively, and there is feel someone or something out. I and think I yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm like for all intents and purposes, I think feeling someone out would be the move. Um yeah, and so for all these moves, uh, mechanically, the way that they work is they usually have like a question of some sort. So this one is when you try and feel out a person, place, or thing, say what you want clarity about and answer one. And then there's two questions below. Uh, and the GM will give you the clarity you seek as they answer the other. Mm. So you answer one of those two questions and then I will answer the other one. Um, so you can tell me either what feels welcoming on the surface, like what feels welcoming about her, um, what feels dark or unnerving when you peer deeper. And again, whichever one, uh, I'll get off whichever one you answer. I will fill in the other one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would love clarity about who her, her enemy is, you know, because on the surface she seems very warm. She smells nice. She looks mm -hmm. nice. You know, there's nothing immediately that would give me pause. She's a beautiful woman. Yeah, I'm actually going to say that the things that you just described as finding so welcoming on the surface, it's like you're when you walked up to her, you like immediately got hit with some notes of like, like a faint lilac perfume almost, you think. Hmm. And it's been years since you've seen a lilac out in the world and that as you as you keep looking at her the the what feels dark or unnerving when you peer deeper is that you are realizing that this is not just a random woman in a marketplace this is a woman of means this is a woman of probably power the the so put together look the the big kind of Certainly bombastic, but kind of the bigger presence that she's trying to put out there. It you kind of said when you walked up, like, I've never seen you before. Um, you absolutely would have noticed if somebody like this was in the marketplace before this. Um, and so you the dark and unnerving thing is that you there's a lot of smoke and mirrors happening right now. And you're having a real hard time sussing out what is true about her. And what is she like flat out lying to you about? But you know that there's there is absolutely some bigger things going on. Like you can tell that she is a calculating woman. Mm -hmm. So. Before I say yes or anything, I have a couple of questions for you, if I may ask them. Says I will. I will do my best to answer anything that uh, that I can. Can I pick my crew, or do you have recommendations? She says, "Who who you use to do this endeavor is up to you and you alone. I will pay this one." And she kind of holds up the bag again. She's like, "This is the payment. 
If you choose to enlist a crew, uh, it is on you to split the and cover the costs of, of their service to you. I would be employing. Fair. And in the event that I do bring this up to anyone, um, what can I call you? you? She almost get like, you can't tell if it's a big put on thing or if she's actually hurt. She's like, oh, I am the Contessa. Oh. Oh, the. The Contessa. Okay. The. Of. She just kind of looks at you and says, of whatever I want. Fair. Okay. I mean, obviously, I'm going to need some more details of the job. And I'm sure I'll find out when you're in time, but... Yeah, and she she hands you kind of a simple. Uh, she looks at you and says, um, "Are you accepting the job?" Yeah, I'll accept it. She says, "Wonderful," and she pulls out an envelope um, that is definitely a bit like you can see that there is um, like a broken and cracked seal on it, like a wax seal that somebody mm. had put on there, and. She pulls out the letter that's inside of it and she hands it to you. And it's um, the letter is describing to her. Um, it says, dearest Contessa. I write this letter to forewarn you. Um, as as you may know, there are people out there who do not appreciate. The finer things in life that you so. uh that you so uh, faithfully pursue. And it has been brought to my attention that a shipment of food that you have being delivered shall be contaminated in route. It is of the utmost that you handle this and you handle this quietly as you know, no one wants larger conflict. I think the world has seen enough of that. Interesting. And then it gives some time, like you've got it, like um, you look down and realize like you've got maybe an hour or two before this <laughs> shipment is supposed to be going from one place and being in route to um, wherever it is that she, that she lives. And there's some vague, like vague directions, but you live in the cradle and there's barely roads. So directions are kind of guesses at best most days. Okay. So what, what I have a question for you, Contessa, what this is giving me an hour. What would you have done if, if nothing would have happened, you would have just not eaten you would have eaten and then what? She says, oh, I have no plans on dying today. I um, I just hoped to handle it more quietly. Because it's. If I start handling things, then sometimes God start noticing that there's a woman with a lot of power 
and placement in the world. And when they take notice, other people take notice. And it's an entire thing. And I simply do not wish to have that on me right now. Contessa, are you telling me that gods are trying to kill you? I'm saying the gods would notice if I stopped other people from trying to kill me. But indirectly, to answer your question, possibly, perhaps. Fantastic. Okay, well, um, in order to cover my own ass, I don't think I'll ask you any more questions about that. Um, but I'll do this job for you. She says, wonderful. And she gives you, she reaches into the bag. She doesn't pull out half. She pulls out maybe a couple coins and puts them in your hand and says, a show of good faith. And then you see her just kind of take the sign off of the little cart that she has um, and just like search like it was very basic. It wasn't even a wooden design. It was just like some sort of fancy looking paper. And she just starts kind of ripping it up as she starts walking down one of the side alleyways. Okay, bye, I guess. Um, so I'm going to take a look at the letter. I'm going to read it and mull it over a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking that maybe I might not want to necessarily hire a whole crew, but I'll bring, I'll bring my, my first officer with me. Okay. Um, his name is Aeon and he also got out like I did. He's always drunk. So he will probably be in the bar. And what, what was his name? Aeon. A-E-O-N? Yeah, like Aeon Flux. Okay. Um, and and tell me, what what drives Aeon? Aeon does whatever he can to forget the things that we did. Um, you know, I have really taken the time to, you know, sit, think, and reflect, and, like, actually, like, come to terms with what I did and the things that mm -hmm. I have done. And Aeon has just been running ever since. I love him. And he's got to get his shit together. Sorry. Awesome. Um, so one of the things in this game is that everybody has, all characters have like what they call a gospel. Mm. And so I was just keeping that in mind about your, your person. Um, Okay, so are you heading straight to the the local watering hole bar? Yeah, because um, I don't and, have a lot of time. And what is the uh, name of the local uh, tavern? It's just called Tavern. Okay. Where I live is like, you know, there really isn't much life anywhere anymore. So it's very, it's very like what you see is what it is. Like general store is a general store. The tavern is a tavern. The mar the marketplace was simply the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So you arrive, you see the tavern, you see this like wooden sign kind of hanging off the, the front door. It's, it's got well, like, it's one of those wooden signs where it's like hooked up by like two metal, like uh, chain links. Mm -hmm. And one of them is like broken. And so it's yep. kind of swinging sideways. You can hear a little bit of, frivolity inside a little bit of boisterousness 
Um, even though it's early in the day, it seems like uh, people are already drinking and drunk, which is probably not surprising to you at this point. Uh, you open the door, you go to walk in, you are immediately hit with the scent of just must and must and stale beer and maybe even like a it's almost like when they like you're you're getting ready to take the trash out for the week and you kind of open up the trash can and like you've had a bunch of food in there mm-hmm. and it's just kind of slow like when you walk in you can see like some of the shelves around like the food has gone bad um no one has cleaned some of these tables in probably a week or two and so there's just kind of an a, a general pungentness to the space that you're going into and when you walk in you see just everyone corralling and everyone kind of you know it's a you would almost assume that at, at you know whatever time in the morning it is it would be more somber drinking yeah because <laughs> it's kind of like either i haven't left from last night or i got up early just to come here and start drinking yes. so like you're not in a good space if that's what you're doing but everyone is just very um animated and very uh they are they are drinking hell yeah um so what and i will remind you the it's always good to keep in mind on your your moves that you can mm-hmm. do um because you could do those at any point so and the the moral moves none of those require dice rolling which is even better nice um so i'm going to um connect with someone connect with my with my buddy and i walk up to him and i will take um one of the one of the coins out of my pocket and i'll just stick it in his paw and i'm like you like looking at that boy oh you want more where that came from so so this is when you try to connect with someone tell them something yeah intimate so he yeah so when you walk in and he sees you, oh, how how long? Let's say like how long has it been since you've seen him? It's actually I would say it's it's been a it's been like a good six months. Like it's been a while. Okay. Um, this this is very helpful. It's been a while. Um, you know, after we broke, um, after we left the faith, after we left our church, like I said, like I was doing good work for myself, and Aeon was just drinking. Um, so I know that there's a lot of pain that he still has um, mm-hmm. from the stuff that we did. So I'm still going to do the same thing. Still going to go up and put a, put a coin in his hand and be like, Hey man, there might be some time to redeem ourselves from some of the shit that we did. And when you, when you do that, one of the things you, that you first notice is that everyone else seems a bit more uh, animated and a bit more into the moment Aeon is kind of like he was occupying that like corner, the corner of the of the of the tavern kind of there's probably a good table or two between him and anyone else um, just sitting there sipping. And like there's a pile of. Flat like cups that are there, you think he's been there all night, like you think he has just simply not left. Yeah. And so he looks up at you and he's like. That's a. You just put a coin in my hand. I did. A real uh, one. So tell me what what common ground do you still share or what still divides the two of you? We still share the fact that, you know, 
we still have this really deep pain and shame for the work that we did and we want to make it right. You know, we want to have the sort of divine retribution as it were. Um, but it's not something that we could necessarily get from humans. Right. So it's like that sort of like constant yearning that we have from killing people and wanting to be better. And I, I think the thing that still d that divides you is how both of you have tried to move that forward. Right. Like you're very much doing the, like, what can I do to, you know, make up for this almost like trying to readjust your own karma, right? Like you're like, what good deeds can I do? What justice can I, what justice can I see? What, you know, what outward active things can I be doing? And I think what divides the two of you is that Aeon has gone in the opposite direction and is very much a, if I stop interacting with the world and if I only keep to myself and I only focus on me and I don't do anything, I can, I am readjusting my karma by simply no, like not adding to my list. Mm. I can't undo the list I've done, but I can from this point forward choose to not engage with it further or do anything else because every, anything that I do has the potential to ju be just as bad. I never know what is right anymore. And maybe that's why six months ago was the last time that you've seen him because he simply just didn't want to do whatever job or whatever thing you were offering him. And he was like, I would rather drink myself into an early grave because at least there I can be held accountable for what I've done. So he, you put the coin in his hand. He looks up at you and says, you've, uh, you put a coin in my hand. Thought we talked about this the last time he tried putting a coin in my hand, but I am not interested in whatever it is that you are trying to offer me. I get that, brother, but I think this is different. Um, I'm I'm not quite sure yet, but I think there's something at play that is much bigger than both of us um, and can give us some of that I don't know peace that we need we've seen a lot of things and we've done a lot of things and this might be one way to help balance the skills back in our favor and he looks at you and he's like and what makes you feel like this one is so different than any other thing that you're doing Damn, dude, like trying to help you out. And also that's a good <laughs> question. Um, you know, the person who gave me this job tends to think that there's something divine after her. And I don't think there's been any other job that I've taken or talked to you about that has any sniffings or inklings that a God could have something to do with it. Um, while you're saying that, go. We're gonna we're gonna do a divine move. Oh, okay. I want you to roll for recognizing a god. Okay. So, recognizing the signs or influence of a god of the cradle, you roll a two d six. Uh, you add one for if any of the following statements are true. So you're in or near their domain. 
we're going to say not true because you don't know what you're looking for yet. Uh, you're familiar with their gospel. Also not true because you don't know what you're looking for. <laughs> uh, and it'd be bad if you didn't know. I'll give you the plus one for that because it could be bad if you don't know. If you're about to embark on a mission and you think gods are involved, it would be bad if you didn't know who was involved. Yeah. So I got a three and a four plus a one. So that's okay. eight. Okay. Um, so on a on a hit, I will give you a clear interpretation of the omens. Uh, ask, and you can ask your GM a single follow-up question of your choosing, and they must answer correctly. So I will or answer honestly, not correctly. Those are different things. So you pull out the as you pull out the letter to show him, you look at the seal, and you when you pull it out, like you're looking at the seal, you're pulling out the letter. You're looking at the writing, you're looking at the way that it's written, and there's there's a cadence to the words that you start to feel as you're reading it yourself. Because um, when the Contessa read it to you, she was doing that thing where she was reading, but also half just paraphrasing. And so you start reading this, and you're getting this very familiar kind of in the words. And you know that rhythm, you know, that chant style, you know, that, that, um, tempo. You think this is the way home is somehow mixed up in whatever's going on. And he, for some reason is warning a random woman that she might die. And you know the way home well enough that none of that makes a lick of sense. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm just like, and I don't understand why a god that we served would be A, trying to kill some Contessa, and B, how we, or me, I should say, just happened to catch her eye this morning. But there could be something here, and you're the only person I thought of. He he grabs the letter from you, and he starts looking at it and reading it, and you kind of see him kind of, you know, he's he's definitely drunk, and he's kind of doing like the little little slurry, and he's kind of like that's just so then the and the food and the da, 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 and like you watch as his face kind of comes to the realization that he again it it is that rhythm that cadence that used to bring so much comfort you know through i'm thinking like back to like if anyone grew up in the church you know like the when you go in for like service and it's the you know the benediction song or whatever you know the i'm forgetting the the entrance one that we used to do at my church but like there was like the you know, different things that you would sing and it was kind of habit forming um, very much the, you know, peace be with you and also with you. Yes. Yeah. But like you, you watch that come across his face of for a moment, it feels like there's almost longing because it's like being like wrapped a little bit in that warm blanket of something familiar. But then as soon as, he got wrapped in that warm blanket. You can watch his face tell that like the blanket went cold and the blanket fell apart around him. And he remembers what he, that he knows that. And you see him grab the, the, 
um, pint that he was drinking out of and he throws the rest of it back and slams the cup down on the table and it like jolts all the rest of the the pint glasses that are there and a couple of them go falling off the the table itself rolling around there's the stench of the stench of beer is so pungent around here because you could tell he's just been you know spilling on himself spilling on the table he looks at you and he says whatever this is we should investigate it because I think today's the day I'm gonna kill that motherfucker. Hell yeah, dude. Well, um, we gotta go, uh, because I don't know if you read that letter. Uh, when I got it, I had about an hour, and who knows how long I've been sitting here with your drunk ass. So, we gotta go. He's like, okay, okay, and he kind of gathers himself, and you see him. You see him looking at the pints on that are still up on the table, looking to see if any of them have like a bit of you see him see look at one that seems to have a, a, a bit more in it. And he throws back another one, slams it down, he starts kind of bumbling his way out the bar behind you. Um, and when you walk out the doors, you realize he's holding a full pint in his hand. And like he just starts drinking and looks at you and he's like, What? Give me that. And I want to sn- like literally snatch it from him and I will finish it because I need some liquid courage for myself. <laughs> Perfect. Um, all right. So you, the, it, in the letter, it describes a, um, it's, it describes the spot where the food is coming from. And you can tell that like, as you're reading all of this, the, all of this is being done very much uh, not on the up and up, right? Like food is scarce, but somehow there's a place that there's just like a bunch of food coming through. Um, and you realize that this is one of those spots where, you know, if you have enough money in the world, you get access to things that nobody else does. And you realize that there is a warehouse on kind of the edge of the settlement that you're in that it looks like it's been abandoned for as long as you've been here. That is the, uh, that is the spot where this is all happening, that there is a hidden space underground inside the warehouse where all of this is going down and where, uh, say a, a wagon will be rolling out, uh, taking the goods to, the Contessa. So, you know, it's not too far from where you are. You could mm-hmm. probably get there in about 15 minutes if you're walking quickly. Um, okay. Maybe 20 because you've got a drunk with you and his. <laughs> he's a little a little wobbly. But you think you could get there in enough time before everything starts to happen. Yeah. So what do you do? Well. I am going to attempt to have a conversation with a drunk about strategy, Um, especially because I'm just thinking like, okay, um, and we're walking on this path. I was like, are there any trees? Of course fucking not. It's a cradle. There are no trees. Um, There are barely any roads. So should we, what do you think we should do? Do you think we should stake it out? Do you think we should wait for the car to come by? Do you think we should wait to see if somebody shows up? Like, I don't know, man. I'm not trying to walk into a 
walk into an ambush, but also we can't let this food get tainted. He's just like, you, you listen, okay? Here's the thing. If that motherfucker is just, just fucking around and thinking that they can get away with it, we gotta, we gotta run in there. And we gotta, we gotta stop them because you listen, you know, you know what I know. And that is some dark shit. And they deserve a fucking knife in the face. I want to, I want to carve out their face. Oh, okay. Um, do you, do you have a knife on you? Like, are you ready to go into a fight right now? Cause I am, I don't know about you. Yeah. You see, you see, he's wearing, um, just kind of got one of those like big, like black long trench kind of jackets, very, um, post-apocalyptic matrix adjacent kind nice. of vibe. Uh, he's got a, a brown kind of rusty or dusty, like cowboy hat that doesn't seem to kind of match the rest of it. Everything about this is like a fashion disaster, right? Like it's all the, the he's wearing two different boots. They're not even the same color. So you're not sure how he mistakenly put on one. These might just be the only two boots that he has. Excellent. And you see him out of the pot, like pull out the of the inside pocket of one of of the jacket, um, like this decent, not decently sized knife. And he's kind of just waving it a little bit in front of him. And he's like, I'm I've been ready for for this. All right. All right. Let's do it. OK, so this is what we're going to do before we go in some ground rules. Let's try to be as quiet as possible. First. If we get in there and we need to go guns a blazing or swords swords a slashing, then we can do that. But let's go quiet first. You think you can be quiet? He he like just stares at you. He doesn't answer. He just like stares with his mouth closed. <laughs> okay, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I just I love this. Okay. You're the one that made the NPC who is drowning his feelings I in know, alcohol. And I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> So he's uh, he's keeping pace with you, like as you're walking, because I imagine you're walking and talking all this through because yeah, you don't really yeah, have time yeah. to like stand. Stop. Yeah. So he's he's walking alongside you. Um, and anytime he's speaking now, he does like a very like exaggerated whisper where it's like, Hey, I don't want to say this too loud because people might hear and he, he's not being <laughs> quiet. Like he's okay. not. <laughs> okay. He, he thinks that he is. It's like, and I you know, just have a have a moment in my head. And it's like, he's a soldier. You're a soldier. You can do this. It'll be fine. He's a soldier. You're a soldier. You can do this. It'll be fine. And, you know, as we're walking in, I do want to check and see. Um, I'm assuming I'm going to walk up to a door. Uh, check and see if that door is unlocked or not. Yeah. So I think as you're as you're kind of nearing the warehouse, um, before you actually get to the structure itself, like you can kind of mm. see it maybe a block or two away from where you are. Um, and suddenly out of the, the alleyway next to you, a figure emerges and looks at you and the, they are, when you're looking at them, there is definitely something about them that rings a little bit. Like they're not a normal person that you're like, today's a weird day for you. Like you're meeting yeah. people that simply feel like 
they are not fully what they seem. And you see this person walked out, walk out uh, and they are a very strikingly handsome man. Um, he is uh, probably like six, four, six, five. Mm. He's very uh, Jacob Ellerty. Mm, okay. <laughs> and he is, he's wearing this, um, it's not a, it's like night. It, we'll say it's uh, kind of like a big open sweater. So he's got this very large kind of button up sweater, but everything is unbuttoned. He's not wearing a shirt. Of course not. Uh, he is wearing skin tight leather pants. Uh, hair is long and flowing and slicked back into like this big kind of man bun situation on the back of his head. And he looks at you and says, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go there. Okay, first of all, how would how is it that you know what I'm doing? And who the hell are you? Um, like, me. do I need to recognize a god again? Yeah. Try that. Let's recognize a god again. Let's recognize a god. Uh, and I'll give you the plus one for any bad if you didn't know. Okay, it's a four. <laughs> a four and a six. I got a ten. Plus All right. one. I live. Uh, okay, so on an overkill... So on a so like you you get the um uh so you you'll get to ask a question we'll kind of do the on a hit what you what you see uh you realize your divinity is actively trespassing against them so your and remind me what is what is your divine because you're you got the devout yeah uh, my divine trigger is exposing hidden lies and cruelty of a god to the people. Okay. Um, yeah, and that makes sense for this particular one. So you recognize that you are standing in front of Lord uh, Basfamel. They are, he is the uh, hunger of Eden. Mm. He is all about... Um, Cultivating and devouring beautiful things. And you, your divinity is, is trespassing on him in that you, everything about him is, is a facade. Everything that is the, like the beauty that he devours. Um, he purports himself to be so beautiful and to be so, uh, wondrous but it's it's very much an elaborate glamour and under the surface um he is not and if he were exposed for devouring beautiful things it'd be very bad for him uh you can ask me a single question and i will answer you honestly What will happen to me if I go in there? 
Um, I'm going to say not, so, I'm mean, not, the question isn't specific to like, your, it's, you get to ask okay. me about the God I'm like, himself. What's going to happen to me? Why are you telling me not to go in there? Um, <laughs> when you're, you're asking you, the player are asking me, the GM, a question about the God. God. Oh, not, excellent. not, not Zypher asking. Okay. The good question. To know. So okay. you get to ask me, the GM for player knowledge. Got you. Um, so. Huh. Does Lord Basfamel have anything personal against the Contessa then? Like. You. As you're piecing these things together. As you're recognizing who he is and what he does and who the Contessa is. And the air that she was giving about herself. You feel like she could be one of his. Potentially, she is of him, whatever that looks like. Whether she re realizes that she is, oh, in the process of being cultivated and devoured. Oh, but you very much think that this, that there is a potential that this food delivery that's about to happen, is actually more connected to this god and his plans mm. you've never you've never seen directly what he does when he devours you've only ever seen the aftermath of you know a beautiful garden that was around one day and then the next day you came back and it was full of rot and decay and everything was awful um yeah Cool. So he looks at you kind of directly in the face and he's like, kind of snaps his fingers as you're like staring off into space, thinking about all the things that you know. And he's like, turn around. Okay. So I, I'll turn around. He's like, you never had to be here. You never had to see me. This warehouse doesn't exist. You can go about your day and I can achieve one more thing of great beauty. I don't like how that sounds. You don't have to like it. You know what I can do. You know what I'm capable of. Do you want to be in my path, in my way? I mean... If it actually, mm, I'm like trying to in a Sam the player moment. I'm trying to have this moment where I'm like, do I actually tell you what I know about what could be happening, or do I just like go on about my business and call it a day? Um. Okay, time back in. I mean, honestly, Lord Basfamel, um, it might not actually be me who's in your way, if you think about that. And he says, well, he kind of looks at you and he looks at Aeon. He's like, it is certainly not him who's in my way as Aeon is kind of leaning up against a trash can, trying to hold himself up for a second. 
And he's kind of doing the like, ooh, I haven't slept in like 12 hours. I should probably, ooh. Ooh. Uh, he might be on the verge of dry heaving. You can't fully tell yet, but it's, and he's, so then Bassamel looks at you and says, you are the only one physically standing in front of me who seems to be going towards the very thing that I am keeping an eye on, shall we say. So who else is standing in my way then? Well, all I know is I have a piece of paper in my pocket um, that told me to be at a certain place because of a potential certain issue. Um, and if you're not the person who's putting an issue on this place, I need to find out who is Lord Basfamil. So when I say I'm actively not in your way, like trust and believe it, unless you're the person who's doing this, then I am 100% in your way. And you kind of, and so as the two of you are talking for a second, you see the, the like front doors of the warehouse start to open and you see um you see somebody sitting kind of hood up robed um which is kind of common for taking wagons out because like the dust of the the desert and everything else can get in your eyes so it's very it's not so much mysterious as it is protective and pragmatic but you see this kind of wagon start to emerge with what looks like a couple small with a couple crates on it and Basimel looks at you and, and says, well, here's the thing. I know that there, the other gods can sometimes want to destroy the things that I love so deeply and have spent so much time growing and cultivating and putting my energies into and watching from a distance just waiting for the moment when they are finally ripe for the taking. And he kind of looks at you for a second and he goes, and you, uh, you smell of him the way home. His, it's a, he's like, you, have been away from him for a while. It's it's faint, but the notes are still there. They linger for the rest of your life. You're never fully free. And so if he has sent you here to try and stop me, the question is, why are you Someone who does not appreciate the gods as someone should, doing their bidding and inserting themselves into higher plans. Well, you're you're right about one thing potentially. Well, you're right. Obviously, you know that I haven't been with The Way Home for some time. Um, but from my understanding, he's not who sent me here. So whatever smell you could be smelling that could be on me 
or that could be the piece of paper in my pocket. Um, but either way, a cart just came out of your warehouse and I'm trying to find out if you're going to let me take a look at it or not. He looks you over and he says, I'll make a deal. You let this all happen. I will tell you what is going to happen. But once I tell you, you're just going to leave this. Go kill your former God. I can feel the vengeance in the air around you. It is your moral compass. It is your drive. It is what you want more than anything. You bothering yourself with other issues and other people. It's not what you want. The thing that you want, the beauty that you want to see in this world, in this lifetime, in this forever is for the way home to not be the way home anymore. And you can stop that. And I can give you something to make that happen. But you're going to let me proceed as planned. And he doesn't wait for you to like accept or decline the offer. Um, he is wheeling and dealing and has assumed that you've already, you're already on board because he saw the way that you looked when he said that you could go kill the way home and he would lend a hand. And he goes, the wagon is leaving the warehouse. It is going to the Contessa. She is the most devout. She knows only the finer things in life. And sometimes those finer things include the darker things, things that people don't talk about. She has been wronged in ways that you can't even imagine. And she has brought together the most beautiful collection of souls, of things, of food, of drink, of art, of beauty for me. This wagon will be the last piece of that puzzle. Now, the problem is the Contessa has set in motion a series of things and realizes that she is caught in a web that she can't get out of. She spun it herself. She tied the knot. She put the final nail in the crate. So if you let this wagon proceed and let the events of today unfold as they're supposed to, as I have orchestrated, the Contessa will no longer be your problem. The people that she has brought together who are beautifully vile in all of the right ways will not be anyone's problem either. And I will be sated for at least a while before I need to feed the hunger that drives everything I do. 
But if you do walk away, you are sentencing people to death. And I know your conscience, oof, your conscience doesn't like that. But who doesn't love a little inner conflict? Well, I think you're right on on one thing. I, I do have strong morals and I love a good inner turmoil. And also, I'm going to be real with you. If she brought this upon herself and she weaved her own web, that's different than doing what you thought were the divine teachings of a god and then being led violently astray, right? Um, so, I mean, it's different. I guess if I could throw on one more stipulation or term to me walking away um, is that there is um, an invoice that needs to be paid. So if you could pay me what she would have to walk away, absolutely can do that for you. All right. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask that you, you, you are in front of a God right now. You know that you are, and you have feelings about that. What are your feelings about being in front of a God right now? And basically watching them in some ways do similarly to what was done to you. Cause even though Cypher might be saying, Oh, they did this to themselves. There is a piece of you. that's like, I know what that feels like to have been, even if I spun my own web, to have believed that spinning the web was the right thing to do in the first place. So yeah. how is, how is Z sitting with all that? Well, first of all, I'm a little annoyed because first of all, who are, who are you? Like you just show up out of this place and you tell me what to do. <laughs> you call my previous allegiances. Like you bring them up to the forefront for no reason. Cause you can smell him or whatever. And third of all, I'm just like, what who like literally who are you and what does what you're doing have anything to do with me you know and i understand that like people need to learn things and like we can we can tangle a web and i also know that it's like you know as humans there's a lot of things that we don't or as people who live in the cradle there's a lot of things that we don't know that our gods do and mm -hmm. it's so, like it's very frustrating to me that he's gonna let that go but at the same time, like, I'm worried about myself, my retribution, and Aeon not dying in the middle of the street. Like, I don't have time to worry about some woman I just met this morning. Yeah. I used to kill people. <laughs> um, do you, do you want to employ any moves of any sort right now? Um, I... Would like to do, actually, I would like to do a do as you're told um, because I do actually want to show submission to Lord Basfamel, especially because, you know, he gave me a solid of forewarning. He, um, and so he just kind of like is letting, letting me know what the dealio is, regardless of what his intentions are or not. So, um, okay. Yeah. So then you, uh, so you can answer either how are you, how does he reward you? Yeah. Or what vulnerability do you reveal? 
Yeah. So I think, you know, the vulnerability that I reveal in this sense is that like, as Z, like I still really am lost. Um, and, you know, and not having that God to give guidance has been, you know, while I've been doing okay, you know, having that, you know, divine sort of guidance and voice and word is something that I really, really missed. So having a God tell me what to do, I'm like, okay, I can settle back into that. Yeah, familiarity. Um, and also know that like, I'm still very much lost. All right. Um, so the reward, uh, you're rewarded. So when you, when you acquiesce to what he is telling you to do and what he is saying, um, he kind of grins and reveals his just immaculate smile. Um, like, and it, and you almost think that there's like a sparkle, a little glisten that comes off of his teeth as he, as he smiles at you. Um, and he leans in so close to your ear. His breath is on your neck. And he whispers that if you truly wish to avenge and take down the way home, you can't do it without the sand from the mouth of the great worm. And then he like just ever, ever so gently brushes his lips against your neck. And you feel him just take like a big deep breath in. And like steps back and like kind of looks and smiles at you and says, perhaps one day our paths shall cross again. And then he kind of like, he kind of turns, but as he turns with like the swoop of his coat, it almost, it just kind of, folds into shadows and he disappears in front of you. As you see, the wagon is now pulling away from the warehouse. The doors are closed again and it's maybe at this point, two, three blocks away. And you're at a point where if you ran, you could catch the wagon or you could turn back around. I I'm gonna like actively do as I was told and keep moving, especially because like knowing what Lord Basphomet can do, um, and just Basphomel, and just doing, just like knowing myself and like he gave me a direction, I'm going to follow it. We're just gonna let it do what it does. And you get Aeon comes stumbling off from the alley, and he's just like, "I thought we were killing someone today. You we took are. me. You took me out of the bar." And you told me that I was going to kill someone today. And I really was looking for, it's why I put the beer down. And are you lying to me? Is this an intervention? You've tried this before. No, buddy. I promise we are going to kill somebody today. I promise. I actually just found out that um, we need to go get sand from a great worm and then we can kill the way home. Do you want to do that? Just like... Fuck yeah. Yeah. Sounds Stupid like a great, great worms. <laughs> taking up space. <laughs> uh, Aeon, do you know where the great worms are? Kind of like look around. He's like, uh, well, they're, uh, they're where the, they're in the spot with the, where the, 
with the sand and the worm and the... I thought you were leading this mission. I am not a leader. I am really good at other things. But you know that I'm very much a sub. I mean, a follower. <laughs> oh, you're so great. I love you. Uh, okay, well... um. Would I know as a devout where the great worm would be? Uh, I think you could pray for guidance. Oh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pray for guidance in looking for the location of the great worm. And I think the, person who well when it says what kind of god answers my question do i pick the god a uh, pick a god that answers i don't my think question? you have to i don't think you have to pick a name you can just uh -huh. say like i felt presence of somebody and this was kind of i may or may not know who they are yeah but this was the vibes that i was getting got you got you okay so um okay so i'm praying for guidance and I am um, hopeful I'm going to hear or get a, sorry, I'm going to get a vision of where I need to go um, of obviously like some sandy plains um, and lots of dirt, like sandy plains and dirt is what I see. Yeah. And I'll say in there, you can like, you get like a couple rock formations that like you think you can parse out a vicinity of where you're looking. Um, and I, when it says when, it, what kind of got, so the, cause you answered the, what you got. I think the, what you felt when you, um, were seeing the, these things, you almost got like this immense amount of joy coming from some deity hmm. that could not be happier that you are going after your former, what they kind of consider almost parent to you. Uh, it just feels right. And, and this person is just so, invested in making sure that you are successful in killing um another god cool okay Anne. i think i know uh where we have to go he's just like good because i no longer know where i am and i don't even think i could get home from here well, that's okay. Because as long as we're together, you'll be all right. All right. So, and so you know that the 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 kind of rock formation is a bit outside of, um, the town, the settlement, as it were. As you're uh, as you're venturing toward this space, uh, you start feeling 
the ground starts shaking a little bit. There's some rumbling happening. Um, you can kind of see off to the side, off to the distance a little bit. Um, if you're walking, we'll say you're walking north. Uh, you can see off to the west what looks like some sort of creature stampeding toward you. It is it is just full force. You are two people just wandering out in the desert on your own. And you see this thing. And as it far away, it it looks a little bit bigger than a horse. It looks it's got a lot of like a lot of fur kind of on its lower half as it kind of moves upward. It's it is this like grotesque looking thing. It's got several mouths all kind of around its head. It's got eyeballs in all these places where eyeballs shouldn't be. But all of them, regardless of which way that they're facing off of the head, they are all laser focused on the two of you. So it's kind of a mix of like, um, I almost want to say like (laughs) a lion's, a a large lion's body and a biblically correct angel on its head. Oh, fantastic. Um, Because that's an image I just want everyone to have in their minds. (laughs) So what do you do? Um... Well, when I discover it, how far is it away from me? I'll say it's at this point, it's probably maybe like a hundred feet away, but it's moving. Yeah. Okay. Um, shoot. Because it's coming straight toward me. I want to live, obviously. Yeah. So I want to, I want to act impulsively. Um, okay. Because... And you can also, this is also a spot where your divine moves might be good too. Oh, you can, inf- cool. you can inflict violence. You could wield a power. Oh, um, yeah. You could tempt fate. Let's. Or you could unleash your divinity. Yeah. You're like not for, not for this. Not for this little. Well, I don't actually know if it's a little thing or not. Um, let's inflict some violence. I'm gonna. I'll draw my sword and inflict some violence. So amazing. Uh, let's see. So they definitely are wishing you harm. So that's a plus okay. one. Uh, do you feel like you're desperate? I don't want to die. So maybe. I feel. Eh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that I'm desperate, actually. Okay, and at this, and I know, and it's not personal at this point. It's just a thing right. trying to attack you. So you get a right. plus one. Okay, so we got five, ten. All right. Uh-oh. So on. Uh ooh, so on a seven to nine, this part of the fight ends on your terms. On an overkill, you lose yourself to the righteous fury, and I will tell you what the costs of your divinity. So I think you went running up there with your sword and you swung this thing with all of this power and might that you could. 
And I mean, you absolutely just slaughter this uh, biblically correct <laughs> angel on top of a lion. And when you do, you, I think you can feel the way home kind of inching almost back into your, into your like presence a little bit. Like you can feel the kind of like you walked away from religion and you thought you left it all behind, but there's, there's just this like cold glass grasp on your heart a little bit. That's almost like, yes, dear child, please come back to me. You have been missed. And for a moment, you miss the way home. And, you know, literally as I stand there and just look over this like mass of eyes and, and, and blood and fur, <laughs> I just can't help thinking about how I'm one step closer to like actually being done for good. And a part of that makes me really sad. Yeah. Absolutely. Even though I have no idea what I just killed. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you I feel like you would know it as probably just like that there are just there are creatures that okay. either gods have created or that just over time have kind of come to be as like manifestations of just how broken mm. the world is. And mm. while you may not be able to pinpoint the correct deity or the god that is responsible for this monstrosity, um, you definitely know that it it is a big deal. Like it's, it's a thing that happens out here. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so I'm, I'm supposed to uh, furnish a devastating consequence as a cost to your overflowing divinity. Okay. And I, I, and I think the, dev I think the devastating consequence, and I know it feels smaller, but I think it's that, it's that your foundation of being so resolute on wanting to kill the way home is faltering ever so slightly because when you went after this thing, that power that they gave you at one point surged through you. And you know that potentially killing them is going to have a negative consequence on you. You will be cursed. And are you prepared for that and whatever that curse might be? So I'm going to say that it's a devastating consequence in that it is so internal to your foundation. Yeah. And Dang. so Aeon comes running over and like takes his little knife that he's got and like stabs the thing now that it's down on the ground. And he's just like, fuck yeah. You got it. Kicks it a couple times. And he's like, See, we're going to do great killing a god today. Yeah. And he's you feel like he's getting like the sobriety is slowly settling in because it's been a little bit of time and he can reasonably hold his alcohol. Um, so his words are coming out through a little bit clearer. He's he's his senses seem to be coming back a little bit, but he's also just that kind of person where he's like, yeah, fuck you. Fuck you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what do you what are you doing now? Well. 
I guess we're on the right path. We got to keep going. I mean, you know, in in my understanding of, you know, faith, like it's like and it's going back to, you know, what we talked about earlier. It's like trials produce strength of faith. And if I'm in the right spot and all these creatures are running at me and trying to kill me, that means I'm obviously doing the right thing. So it's wild to me inside of my brain that like the lessons that I was taught through this upbringing are like manifesting as true to the downfall of the God that I worshiped. Big struggles. (laughs) We love a big struggle. All right. So you arrive at the, at a entrance kind of along this large stone ridge. Um, So you kind of walk up and it's, almost like you're in the grand Canyon looking up, like you've got this big rock face in front of you okay. and there is an opening at the bottom of it. And as you're kind of looking around, you think this is the spot where the omen visions kind of settled into like, you're not a hundred percent, but you think that there could be, um, that there could be a wor- uh, sandworm mm-hmm. lingering about somewhere. Okay. I'll tell Aeon, like, listen, if you don't have your sword out, like, now might be the time because starts stuff's starting to look pretty familiar, and we have no idea what's around these corners right now. And he's just like, he's like, I got this. He's like, I promise, I have sobered up. I'm, I am present. I got, I've got this. I'm ready to kill things. Um, so how do you prepare to kind of, do you want to use any of your moves, um, before you kind of go running into this thing? Yeah, I, you could use, I mean, what your mortal moves would give you some, um, you could feel someone or something out so you could feel the place out. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's feel, let's feel this cave out. Um, I want to. I want to have clarity if there's something in there or not. Um, because like literally what feels darker unnerving is the fact that like, I literally cannot see what's in there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I can feel like cave air um, and I can hear some of necess- like the, the, like the liquid stereotypical liquid dropping, but I don't know what's in there. So it all feels a little like, Ugh. Yeah. And when you look at it, the I think what feels welcoming on the surface is that as you're looking at it and you're looking at the the shape of it, um, it, this the entrance is a little bit larger than like a human person. So it might be, you know, it's maybe like seven feet tall, um, kind of and it's rounded a bit. So it's it's a decent size for like more than one person to like walk through. Um, still a little, a little, uh, claustrophobic if you got too far in there. And I think the thing that you realize that is the most, like what's, what feels welcoming on the surface is that everything, like when you look at the ground and you look at everything around it, it's like, you don't see it. Like there's not like bones littered around, Mm. like everything looks clean. Everything looks very smooth, which you you know, having probably general knowledge of how different creatures live and hide and do things. Um, 
this is giant thing is is uh the size of a sandworm. Yeah. So you know that it's supposed to feel like a good shelter welcoming place because it the sandworm wants people to come in and then it will chomp on them. Okay. Well, Aeon, we're going to go in there. We're going to get some sand. We may have to kill a great worm. We can come out. <laughs> okay, so let's go in. So, and you've got you've got some moves. So you've got. Oh yeah. Um, I say challenge someone dangerous when you challenge someone dangerous okay. in front of an oh in front of an audience, which Aeon is kind of an audience. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Um, okay, so let's do that. We'll challenge someone dangerous. Um, potentially, if 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 the audience is on my side, that could be a plus one. Um, but also, I potentially like. If Aeon thinks he would be better at killing this worm than me. No, Aeon's definitely going to defer to you to kill the worm. Got you. Got you. Okay. So give me a 2d6 plus one. Nine. Okay. Uh, so, right. So tell me, what is it? What does it look like for you to, to do this? Like, what are you doing to taunt this worm? So, um, I, hmm, I'm trying to think. So I am imagining, you know, the clothes that I have on are generally like light to medium ish in weight. Um, and I want to take off my jacket and just kind of lay it, um, in the entrance to make it look like somebody kind of like fell or is like taking a rest um, in the mouth okay. of this cave. Okay. Um, are you saying anything? Are you making any kind of noise to like get its attention? Um, I would make normal, uh, normal tired human noises like, oh, this is so tired. I'm going to take a place like just take a rest here and like, and I'll say what, like say that, but then I will the coat down and sort of like move out of the way so the worm's not gonna be able to see me where my jacket is okay cool so you stand off to the side you feel uh you feel the ground start to to ground around you kind of rumbles again um only this time you can feel it coming from inside the cave and you see this huge sandworm come erupting out of the, the mouth of this cave and you're off to the side a little bit because you knew that this is this is what's gonna and it chomps and you see your coat flying up into the air and it like grabs it midair and chomps down on it kind of waves its head back and forth as if it's like wrestling something away from somebody but it's literally just a jacket in its mouth as it's flinging it around from side to side and then you see it kind of stop and it settles into the sand for a second. And you don't see any eyes on it anywhere, but you could feel like it's it realized it was tricked, right? Like mm. there is nothing meaty in my mouth right now. <laughs> what is happening? So does I don't see any eyes. I'm trying to 
I don't. Mm, it's like, do I cut off? Yeah, fuck it. I can cut off his head. Um, because <laughs> I'm just like, if it's out there, it's like the great worm doesn't need to live for any other reason. After I kill uh, the way home, I'll kill it. Um, let's inflict violence on the worm. Okay. I got a six. Yeah. So tell me what, tell me what you tried to do to the sandworm. Um, so I tried to pop out from my spot on the cave and just do like this nice sweeping slashing motion. Okay. Uh, so I think when you leapt, the, uh, the flaw in your approach is that you didn't tell Aeon what you were doing. And at the, as you're like jumping, you just hear him go, fuck yeah, kill the sandworm. And as you do that, the sandworm turns just as you're about to barrel down on it. And it takes its entire head and just flings itself at you and knocks you up against the, the rock wall. And you suffer two strain. Great. And now you are, and like, it is like, it is like rise, raising itself above you. It is mouth is now open and it's got like, it's almost like they've got, it's a, I don't know if you remember like my reference point right now is like the blade movies when like the vampires unhinge their lower jaws and they yes. like split out. Yes. It's like that, but all four, like on all four sides. So it's like four mouth, like this big thing opens up uh -huh. um, and you just see rows and rows and rows of teeth. And there's sand spilling out of it everywhere. And like, as it hits, like some of the sand kind of hits you, you're like, oh shit, that's the thing that I was here for. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can feel the, something about it feels, you recognize that it is something that you need or want. And there's that bit of you that's, that's that coldness from the way home that almost feels like it recoiled just a little bit as it, as you're pelted with some of the sand. Um, but this thing is literally about to crash down on you and eat you whole. What do you do? Um, well, first I scream. Um, and then I would like to. I would like to try to tempt fate. Um, okay especially because I have no other option. Um, and I am, if I'm on, I'm on my, I'm on my back on the ground. I got my sword up. The goal, the attempt to attempt mm -hmm. this fate is to like stand up into the stabbing motion, like in the roof mm. of this thing's mouth. Okay. Um, so we get to add, so for attempting fate, the perilous feat you're trying to accomplish is stabbing it in the inside of its mouth. Uh, are you calling on Aeon to help? Oh yeah, I and okay. I and I will scream definitely scream for Aeon to help me. Okay, so that's one. Uh, do you feel like you have no other options? Yes. Two. Uh, and you're far away from any god that wishes you harm, so you get a plus three to this roll. Hey, awesome. Plus, got a seven. 
With a plus three, you got a seven. Yes. <laughs> well, thank God. So thank God for Aeon. So here's what happens. You stand up real fast with that sword. But what you forgot is the way that the mouth is is crafted. The bottom jaw is split out in two different directions and the top jaw is split out in two different directions. So when you stood up, you almost basically stood up in the middle of it and missed anything. And out of nowhere, you just see Aeon flinging himself off a rock wall, screaming and takes this dagger knife that he's got. And it gets like, as he's like pulling this knife and like doing it, the knife looks like it almost gets a little bit bigger. Like it grows with some like divine light and energy and he just stabs down on top of it. And because he's smaller than the sand, the worm, he pulls the dagger all the way down as he gets back down to the ground and like rips it all the way to the, yes. to the dirt. Yes. And you see the thing just is like writhing and knocking and like, you managed to just dodge out the way of all of these different moving things, the teeth, its body that is just slowly collapsing, the blood that is just spurting out from the sides. Aeon is just like covered in like this nasty black vile blood and like guts that are just strewn around the ground. Um, but you have survived. And as I'm just like, kind of like standing there shaking covered in like the viscera and spit and sand i just kind of look at him and be like it's a good time for that beer to wear off huh he was like or was the right time for the beer to kick in yeah <laughs> oh hell yeah um and so what i'll do is too is i'll like take wipe my hands on my face and get like the gunk and the sand and just kind of tuck it in um, my pocket that's on like my inside shirt just so that I can like have it available mm -hmm. for the killing time. Yeah. Perfect. So you, you now have the thing that you need. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you, what is what is your plan for how you would like to uh, call down your god in order to uh, kill him? So what I wanted to do, and you know, and I'll explain this to Aeon too, is that like the most gorgeous bit of like divine irony is if we call him at the temple where we did our sacrifices. So like I want to like. Me and Aeon are going to go to the temple that we worked in um, every day and, you know, say our prayer to connect with the way home and call him down. All right. And tell me, what does what does that what does that prayer look like? What is there something about? Is it a ritual? Is it just a prayer? Is it? Is there kind of a something in the message that you're supposed to, be, you know, kind of make sure you're talking about? What is what does it look like? Give me some some visual. Yeah, so especially since you brought up um, sort of, you know, our, our Catholic call and response sort of deal, I was definitely thinking of a prayer to the way home as literally being a, like a call and response of show us the way. So like Aeon and I go to the temple um, and, you know, we call upon the way home who gave us guidance once in our daily lives 
show us the way. Um, we're calling forth this God down because he led us astray and we're trying to kill him. Um, <laughs> show us the way like in, and, and stuff like that. So it's, um, it's basically me calling the God and Aeon affirming it, um, is how we do that. All right. So you, you are going through this, you are doing this entire ritual. You are calling him down. You are, and is it, are you trying to be more inviting or are you, are you being adversarial? Are you like calling him out to be like, get your ass down here? Oh, I'm calling him out. Absolutely calling him out. Okay. I'm going to call this challenging someone dangerous. Okay. And I think when you're, when you're at the church, so you get there and it is in, I'm going to say it's in the middle of service. So there are, there's an entire congregation and it's not a, this is not a, it's not a sacrifice day. It's not human yeah, sacrifice right. day. Um, those are only special occasions. We don't do it every day, but this is very much people are, are praying. They are singing, um, the hymns and the songs are all about, you know, trying to find their way, trying to get back, trying to go home, trying to get somewhere that they just can't quite seem to get. Um, so tell me, I guess what, so you get in, you, you're, you go and do this whole big to do calling him down. Um, actually go ahead and get, and give me the 2d6 dice roll. And you're in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say that they care about your opinion. They know you. Yeah. They haven't seen you for a while, but you were one of its, the, of the way home's most devout people. Uh, got a nat six on that one. And okay. then. So plus five. one. Huh? I got a 12. Did you get it? Wait. You, Cause I, I rolled, I rolled a six for the first D six. Oh, and then yeah. I wrote a and then I rolled a five on the second one. Yep. Dang. Um. Oh yeah. So he's here. He's pissed. <laughs> so you do all of this, uh, in the in an instant. Every single candle in the in the church goes out. The the pews with people sitting in them all go flinging against the walls. People are just flying in all directions. Oh, it shit. is screaming. It is chaos. You hear some of the, as some of the pews hit the walls, you hear bones crunching. You hear uh, people falling lifeless to the floor. Just thud, thud as all these things are happening. And in the middle of the church stands the way home. Tell me what is what does the deity look like when you see him? Like what is what is his visual of of how he presents to you? To me, the way home looks like the first priest that I ever studied with. Um, he looks like um what is his name gonna be? He looks like my father Joe. He looks like the person who brought me into the faith, who taught me what the way was. Um, he, Father Joe was a very comforting man to me, but when I see Father Joe now, he's angry. Um, mm -hmm. Hair is wild. He does not have that comforting look in his eyes that he used to, like when I was first learning um, as a little altar kid, like 
it's this is it's like an uncanny valley of Father Joe. Okay. And he comes, he starts sauntering towards you and he says, ah, dear child. I have long awaited your return, my prodigal one. You called me down, demanded my presence for all to see, because you're going to kill me today. And yet, and he kind of looks around at all the bodies that are just bleeding out on the floor, your actions have already cost you innocent lives. And I thought we were trying to be better than that. Oh. Yeah, that's good. Um, listen, I just called you. I didn't have any say on how you showed up. So he says, you challenged me in my own place of worship. Demanded my presence and demands come with prices. You should know that better than anyone by now. And so you I demanded do. my presence and now you've paid a price. Yeah. And he, he takes a couple steps towards you. And he says, so, and you see him kind of eyeing you over and he's like, you think today's the day that you will kill the way home? It has to be. There's no other day. And Aeon already decided that today was the day that you die. So I have to do what my friend says. And he he just looks at you and he's like, hmm. And he takes his kind of, he takes his arm and kind of waves it. And you feel this force throw you against the wall. And you see Aeon goes flying off in another direction as well. And his... He kind of falls to the ground. He's alive, but he's knocked a bit. Um, and you you take a strain. Okay. I love that. <laughs> and he says, I haven't even broken a sweat. You look a little worse for wear. See, blood... And you're like, you're still bleeding a little bit from the sandworm. Like you're, you're looking busted. Like you're not <laughs> looking great. Yeah. I mean, I had to do quite a bit to get here and I had to prove to myself that this was worth it. And that stopping whatever kind of bullshit you got going on in here is worth it. So tell me what, so one of the, you know, you need to get him to reveal himself to mm -hmm. be like his truest form. Yeah. How are, how are you, how are you trying to make that happen? Well, he referred to me as his prod, like his prodigal child. And, you know, I honestly, like, I kind of want to be kind of like that, like prodigal pestilent child and like provoke him to some things so that okay. people can see. Um, so I'm wondering, I think you could wield a power. Okay. I think you could challenge someone dangerous again. Um, you, I forget what your, what your divinity entails, but you could unleash your divinity. Oh yeah. My divine trigger is expo it's exposing the, uh, cruelty and hidden lies of the God. Um, 
Yeah, you could you could make him bear it all for all the people who are still alive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Okay, so let's do. I want to do a the challenge. Someone dangerous. Um. Or, you want? Or I thought were you not unleashing oh, your divinity? Oh yeah, I could do that. Hmm. And it's just a, and it's just a thing that happens. So you can you can literally just describe what you do, and then uh, you either it's either brief, obvious, or unstable would be your options from there. Hmm. Okay. Well, especially because like I guess where I'm struggling is like it i don't i don't know we're not necessarily at like a fight part yet so if unleashing my divinity would just be like oh i know you're a liar uh and everybody else sees that so i'm i'm just like not i'm not quite sure how to uh how that would work in this sense if that makes sense uh, what i would say is i think you could i i would let you use that if you wanted to do it in a way where it will give you a moment to, for him to be in his truest form. Okay. Which is the form in which you need him in order to make the decision to kill or spare him. Or you can you can go ahead, if you want to challenge someone dangerous instead, that also works. Or if you want to be able to... You, I would say also wielding your power. Oh. Uh, oh! Oh! Okay, okay. So, okay, I think I get it now. So... In unleashing my divinity, I am basically getting the God to manifest in the way that I need him to be seen by everybody else. Or like that's that is the goal of what I'm trying to do here. Yeah. So, okay. So options we talked about unleashing divinity. What else did we talk about really quick? Just so I can like get that. Yeah. Unleash, unleash your divinity, wield a power, uh -huh. challenge someone or inflict violence. Okay. I want to. I want to challenge. I want to challenge someone dangerous because I honestly do think that uh, the way home cares about my opinion because I used to be a devout of his and um, he thinks he's stronger than me. Yeah. And I'd say right now the crowd's on your side because he just murdered a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. And the crowd's on my side. Okay. So, yeah. So we're going to... So should I say what the what I what the challenge should be before I roll or after? Uh, yeah. Tell me what it is that you want to tell me what you're gonna do. Okay. So I think what I want to do is, um, you know, one of the things that the way home has, they're like different prayers for different things, right? And so one of the things that we pray for is like the revelation of truth. And so one of the things that I would want to do is like literally just like have the prayer in the temple that like the truth would be revealed as it needs to be um, in a way that is like unshakable, unwaverable. And like, you can't say that you didn't do it. Yeah. Okay. Give me that roll. Cool. So that's a plus three. Excellent. Okay. Eight. All right. So that's a good spot. Cause on a 10 plus, he would have reacted badly towards you. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again. Um, so you're trying to bait him into revealing himself. Yes. 
And so I think, so you're going through this big prayer, you're going through this big moment, you're getting everyone all, you know, everyone in the church is kind of jumping into the, the prayer that you're reciting. And you watch as he almost seems offended at the idea that he's hiding anything. And you see, you see him kind of falter for just a second. He says, if you think I'm so full of lies, then see me in my truest, deepest form. And there's a swirl about him. And he kind of vanishes. And where the spot where he was standing, you see two footprints just on the ground. And then they start walking toward you. Hmm. And at this point, like, I want to, like, basically yell to the crowd, like, look, the God that we have been worshiping is nothing but a shadow and literal footprints on the ground. There's nothing he can give us. There's nothing that he can provide to us. There's no place that he can show us because he is literally nothing. And, you know, as he's, and, and at this point afterwards, I just kind of just put my hands in my pockets. Okay. Are you, are you going to do the thing I think you're going to do? Probably. Tell me what you're so, going to do. So I put my hands in my pockets and I pull them out. And at first I throw the sand because I want to see like where this person is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw it at you. And then, well, depending on, on how he reacts, I would like to take a little stabby stab. And inflict some violence? Yeah, inflict some violence for sure. So yeah, so when you throw the sand, it hits and it almost like singes certain parts of him. So you get like a little bit of like a face is, is kind of burned a little bit by the sand. So you kind of see this like partially invisible, partially scarred and burned God. And it seems like he's getting a little, like he might be getting a little bit bigger mm -hmm. than he was in kind of the form that you had known him in. Mm -hmm. And the footprints look a little bit larger as well. Um, but you have definitely exploited his, his downfall. Oh, I'm going to kill him then. He looks he looks at you and he said before um like he sees you pulling for the sword, he feels the sting of the sand. He knows he knows what you're about to try and do. And he looks at you and he says, I know you had perceptions of me. I know you've had thoughts on how I do things. I know you are intending on ending me today. But stop for a moment and think about the implications of what that could mean. I am the way home. I am your guiding path. I am your, I am your compass. I am the person who will guide you anywhere that you need to get. I will get you to the places you want to go. If you get rid of me, I promise you, you will never find home again. If you spare me today, I can't promise I will change my ways. I can't because my ways are my ways. They have been for as long as I've been alive and they will be for long after you're dead. But you'll know, you will know your path if you spare me. You will know what direction you need to go. You will know the places you need to be without me. And if you take this action, you will be lost for the rest of your life. 
written with tears just rolling down my cheeks. I say, I know. And to some extent, it's worth it. Because if I have to wander the rest of my life and know that I don't have a home, I know that people will be able to make choices for themselves. They'll be able to find their own way um, and they'll be able to live a life that's meaningful to them instead of in service to you. And if that means that I don't have a home, I'm okay with that. And so I'm a roll. All right. It's time to roll kill a god. Hell yeah. What'd you get? I got I just got an eight. So the first roll I got a six. Second roll I got a two. All right. Uh so tell me what it looks like when you strike down the god. So like I said, I'm emotional. I've been crying. I know the burden that I'm about to take upon myself. And I walk up to my dear father, Joe, my dear the way home. I embrace him as if he's an old friend. And I slowly just drive the knife into his chest. And I whisper in his ear, I pray your soul may find the way. Um. As he's as he is dying, you see, like he kind of starts fading in and out of. Uh, you know, he went from being kind of invisible and only footsteps to being um, material again, into kind of in and out of of existence a little bit. You see this like divine energy just pouring out of him because um, he doesn't bleed because he's a god. So he like this this brightness and this energy just starts pouring out on onto the ground and it kind of spreading everywhere you lose a vital uh they seize a vital something vital from you as well what is the vital part of yourself that you lose as you do this my internal drive my mm -hmm. my will to really exist and to be because for so long it was for the way home it was shepherding people and helping them find the way and now that that's gone like i really have nothing to guide my existence yeah i'm gonna say i i think what i would call that is your you you've lost your entire moral compass yep and your your purpose in life and you just kind of feel like it's one of those things like you know you spent your whole life kind of always following something and always doing something, then you were jaded by it so much that your new thing became to get rid of that thing. And now an entire lifetime of purpose and dedication and existence has simply stopped. So as the final moments of, you know, his death just explodes out, the walls of this church just burst at the seams the windows shatter people that are still alive kind of get thrown back a little bit, not to the point that they are, are dead, but just like thrown against the walls. Everything rumbles. You just feel the entire cradle takes almost just this deep breath and then lets go as a God has fallen. And you, Aeon gets up and kind of brushes himself off and walks over and 
looks at you and just goes, well, I promised you a beer. Hell yeah, buddy. I think I earned that one. And that is a game of God's killer. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> that was so fun. Oh, it was good. I, I, like I said, I've, I've never really done like a, a game designed for two people. Yeah. I like it. It's very, it's very intimate. Um, and I think it, it, you get to know the people that you play with in a different way. Yeah. And it definitely also like, there's, there's no room to hide, right? Mm. Like there's nowhere to yeah. go. Yeah. You can't be like, really. I'll let someone else handle the charisma for this. I'll <laughs> let someone else formulate a plan. You're like, oh shit, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, for, for folks listening, once again, so this game was God Killer. It is by Connie Chang. Um, I cannot emphasize enough how much people should go and find this game, buy the game, play it with your friends. Um, I will post some links in below, but Connie is also um, does some actual plays of of the game as well. And they're they're so good. Um, Connie is an incredible GM. They're also involved with uh, Transplaner, which is an all-trans and non-binary um, long-standing campaign that they've been doing for a, a bit. I don't believe it's in God's Kill. I don't believe it's God Killer because it's a, it's a number of them. Um, but Actually, Connie and C do have a run of First Blood on Transplaner yeah. on Spotify. Yeah, so good. So the 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 content's all out there. Make sure you're supporting you know different designers, different game designers, and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, so Sam, if you want to be found on the internet, where can people find you? Yeah, so on Instagram, I am add the extra M, and on Twitter, I am your boy Marty. Amazing, and I'll put those links in the show notes as well. Um, but once again, thank you so much for joining and playing and having a good time. Thank you. And killing a god today. Oh, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. <laughs> Uh, so for folks listening, the next couple things that are coming up on the agenda for our pod, um, next week is going to be a Valentine's day special episode called I want your bite, which is a bachelor style tabletop role-playing game that is centered around the bachelor being a vampire. Yeah. Uh, the following week we are doing a panel chat with some friends about conventions. Um, PAX East is coming up. There's conventions all the time. So we are doing a panel of folks talking about tips and tricks for navigating can large cons and other spaces and how as queer people, we, we navigate some of those spaces um, and how do we navigate those spaces when some of our intersecting identities put us in a mark, like being marginalized in, in those very large convention halls. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And then the last uh, actual play for February is a game by Dare. Uh, called When the Sun Dies, and it is about living your last days of the world. So it'll be really uplifting. Um, <laughs> keep an eye out for all of that. Lots of things on the agenda. Uh, thank you once again to Sam. Oh, and if you like listening to this and want to make sure you go follow, subscribe, whatever, on all the pod services that you're listening to us on, and you can find us on all social media at The Queer XP. That's Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, and Facebook. Um, so until next time, we will see you all later. Bye.